So we have a new sermon series coming up just next week, so the beginning of August. Um, everything's going to be changing, school starting back. I know life gets into a better routine. And, and how many of you know going back to school we need strength? How many parents yeah, in right. here? And I'm so excited about the new sermon series. It's called Hashtag Jesus Strong. And I've heard some teasers, and I promise you, you don't want to miss not one Sunday in August. That's right. Well, this morning we're going to go ahead and get into God's Word today. So if you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 20. This will be the final chapter that we studied this sermon, uh, this series in our sermon series, Viral Acts chapter 20. And it's going to be in the 22nd verse this is Luke writing, but he's writing the words of Paul. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and I want you to listen to what's going on in Paul's mind as, or, or in Paul's life as he's headed back to Jerusalem, Acts chapter 20, verse 22, and it says, And now I am bound. That's a pretty strong word right there, isn't it? Just think about that for a moment. It, 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 Paul is saying, look, I, I am being held captive by the Spirit of God. I couldn't get out of this if I wanted to. I am bound by the Spirit. So he's being led by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me. Have you ever had that thought when you're between point A and point B? You're like right in the middle and you're going, listen, I know where I came from. God, I know what you did yesterday, but now I'm right in the middle and I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Isn't that where most of us lose it between a and B, the vortex of life. Paul says, I don't know what's ahead of me. I don't know what lies ahead, but except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city. So people were prophesying to Paul as he went from city to city on his way to Jerusalem. They're telling him by word of prophecy, Paul, jail awaits you ahead. Trouble awaits you ahead. I can tell you what's ahead of you is it's trouble uh, that's ahead of you. How often in life do we determine whether or not God is for us or whether or not God is against us depending on the good things that are happening or the bad things that are happening? If God is for us, we often think then good things are happening in my, my life. And if bad things are happening, if the world is falling apart around me, then God must be against me right now. But I think we would all do well if we would listen and heed the words of Paul, the statement that he is about to make in this next verse, verse 24. Listen to this unique perspective. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You see, the tone that Paul is using here, it's very different than the tone that Paul used early on in his life yeah. because early on in his life, he wanted to exterminate Christians. Yeah. He wanted to wipe Christianity right. off of planet Earth so that it didn't even exist anymore. But now he has reversed his tone, and he's on the opposite extreme, and he's saying, listen, if I could, my life is worth nothing only if I can get this gospel spread around the world. So good. What causes a guy like Paul or Saul to completely go from one extreme to the other? He said, my life is worth nothing. Paul once battled Christianity. 
Now he battles to defend it. You know, just like in the early church that Paul was facing, uh, we battle differences in our culture uh, that don't always line up with our Christian values. And sometimes it can be very overwhelming and disappointing to see our, how lost our culture and our society is. That's right. Even Christianity itself has often been con confused by ideas of, uh, that have been shaped by the culture that we live in. You know, Charisma Magazine let out an article last week, and it was inspired by a recent TV show, a reality show, where a Christian, a young Christian girl, beautiful, um, had the belief that premarital sex is okay. And she, that, I think that she represents a lot of our culture that has been mixed with Christianity. And Christianity and culture are always at a battle with each other. And I read an alarming statistic that said that 80% of young adults age 18 to 29 have had premarital sex. So our culture, just like in Paul's time, is battling in society between Christian values and Christianity and culture. So what, let me, let me go on on this. You know, we live in a, in a counterculture society. Christians, what we believe is not always what society believes. In fact, it's never what they believe. Oh, that's right. You know, we, we believe forgiveness and love your neighbor, but the world can't even love a different political party. That's right. And we believe in patience and meekness and humility in a selfie-driven society. You, Jesus came to serve and not ser be served. And that is counter to the culture that we live in. And so our question today is this. Is it possible for the gospel to still go viral in today's culture like it did in, in Paul's culture? Is it possible to combat the cultural differences that do not line up with the values of Christianity? And if so, how? That's right, because in Paul's culture, the temperature was very similar to uh, the days of Jesus. It hadn't changed very much. The culture uh, wanted to wipe Christianity out. It just so happened that Paul's life was changed and he was on the extreme opposite end. And so what we see today in our world, there is a culture that is counter to Christianity. So let's start this morning by identifying some areas of culture. What makes up culture? Uh, we're definitely not sociologists today, but there are seven things that make up culture, four of which we're going to highlight today. So, number one, one of the things that makes up culture is thinking. Can you say that with me this morning? Thinking. Thinking makes up culture. It's at the core of every individual. It's how we use our mind to understand matters. It, we make judgments and we solve problems by how or, or how or what we think. You ever done something that's a little off and had someone respond with this comment? Do you ever think before you act? You ever had somebody ask you that question? Do you ever think, Jeremy is shaking his head, no, I've never had that. <laughs> what about this? Have, I've been on social media and I wonder sometimes, do they ever think right. before they post? <laughs> Because, listen, you know who you are. You've had a bad day, and yeah. you think you're speaking in code, but we read between the lines of exactly what you're saying. 
Thinking is the process that we use to form opinions or ideas. And sociologists say that the harder or more challenging the situation that you're thinking about, the more likely you are to remember that situation and internalize it. You know, that's why it's so hard to shift someone's mindset after they've experienced a tough challenge, they've thought it through, and they formed an opinion based on what they went through. It's very tough just overall to change someone's opinion or how someone thinks. If someone's made a decision to follow Jesus or believe in Jesus after the brain has stopped developing, that is very hard. Your brain stops developing in your mid to late 20s. And to convince someone that Jesus is the way that they need to be Lord of their life after that, t- that, that, that time period is very, very hard. That's why it's important, family, church, parents, grandparents, to make sure your kids are in children's ministry, to make sure your kids are plugged into youth ministry. Why? Because their brain is still developing and God has put, on, put inside of them the thinking cap so that their mind, their ideas, their opinions form around the gospel of Christ. Let me go a little further. Whatever's the center of your home will be the center of, what, of how they form their ideas and their opinions. Thinking impacts culture. So let me pose a question today. How do we reach someone's thinking that is opposite of ours? After they've passed that threshold, how do we impact someone's thinking? It is hard to shift the way someone thinks. Why? Because they've had their whole life to arrive at their conclusions. Thinking defines culture. And number two, the next thing is this. Values determine culture. You know, values are impeded in people's hearts. And I've, I've been to cookouts, and I, I've been to where people, they, they are just completely anti-God. They don't have a bone of salvation in them. They have turned their back. They're drinking themselves and all their cares away. They're cussing. They're miserable. But before we eat, what are we going to do? We're going to say the blessing. Right, Everybody, please bow your head with my Coors Light in my hand. You know, you cannot change people's values sometimes. Values are impeded at a young age, and values shape our culture. But values were not enough to change those people's lives in those experiences that I've had, where I've seen the, the, the misery of their lives, where they're not serving Jesus. They're lost, and they're, they are looking for something, but that value is still there. But guess what? The value is just not enough. It does help shape our culture, but values do not change lives. You know, right or wrong, people's values through which they make moral choices are not easy to change. As Christians, we have to understand that our value system will never change the world. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes because our values to us are personal. Our values are are what we hold dear to our lives. But it was not a value that took Paul off that road to Damascus and changed his world forever. It was the experience. Values are never able to live up to. You and I cannot live up to our own values. In Proverbs 21, 2, it says, People may be right in their own eyes, 
but the Lord examines the heart. If it was just good values alone, then we wouldn't need Jesus. Number one, we would fail. We wouldn't be good enough. And number two, we would never change the world. The third thing that makes up culture, the first two, uh, is this, is that it's our thinking. The second thing is our values. The third thing is language. Language exists so that you can communicate the way you think, your ideas, and what you value, what you have internalized, the opinions that you have formed around the way you think. You ever spoken to someone that doesn't speak your language? It's very hard to communicate. If you don't speak Spanish, just show up here on Wednesday night and find someone who doesn't speak English and try to communicate with them. It's a very hard thing to do. And if you've ever been on the mission field or you've witnessed someone out in the foyer on Wednesday nights, you've often probably witnessed somebody that thinks if they speak louder or they speak slower that somehow the language barrier is going to be broken. If I just slow down a little bit, maybe you will understand me. Come on, that doesn't work, does it? You know what also doesn't work is using the language of Christianity, expecting the world to understand. Listen, buddy, all you need to do is just be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Well, that is true. But the world doesn't understand that. In Alabama, we would say, come on, you just need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And if you say it a little bit slower and you sound a little more spiritual, maybe they'll just get through. Just be washed. And let me just say it louder. You're not. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Come on. Somebody who is living out a life in a worldly culture, they don't understand that. That's right. Because their thinking and their values and their language has not formed around the same ideas of someone who has been raised in church. You can't change the way somebody thinks. You can't change their values, and you can't change their language. Christian language and lingo will never shift a worldly culture. The fourth thing that makes up culture is experience. That's right, experience. Now, I want to talk to you about two different types of experiences. We have life experiences. How many of you know life just happens sometimes? That's right. And life experiences have shaped our culture, like it or not. We are where we are because of life experiences. And, And thinking of values and language all having a part of shape of our life experiences, life experiences can define culture. I've always wondered... Uh, Who in the world ever looked at a crawfish and thought, you know what, this would be so good if we just put it in a pot and boiled it with some potatoes and corn? I'm getting hungry. (laughs) No, so my Alabama self in Louisiana, I had to look it up and see who was the first person. Well, I never got a straight answer, but I did learn that it was embedded in culture because of the Acadians that came down from Canada, when they got here, the Native Americans were already living in the bayous and catching crawfish, and I imagine it was probably uh, the easiest thing for them to get to eat. So they were familiar coming from Canada in the maritime area where they were already eating lobsters and seafood. 
So their life experience allowed them to easily come in and to merge the two cultures. And that's where we get Cajun country from. Because life experiences shape that. And to this day, you go to a crawfish boil. You don't go to a cookout or, or grill in the backyard. I'm getting hungry. You go hungrier. to a crawfish boil. You have one big table, just throw a pot of crawfish, potatoes and corn in there, and everybody's like breaking these carcasses open and sucking the heads, and it's disgusting. But it is a part of the culture in Louisiana. Well, not everybody, because Corey puts on gloves. No, okay, I did. And she'll break one or two, and now the gloves come off, and I have to peel right. every single crawfish she eats. Yes. <laughs> if he wants me to taste it, he has to peel That's it for right. me. So for first-time lookers like me, it could be a little overwhelming to look at the Louisiana Cajun culture. You know, um, just like the Acadians whose culture was affected and it was shaped by their life experiences, our past and our life experiences have shaped a lot of our culture and our world. Many of our American traditions, our habits, our way of thinking, our values, and how we talk have been a culmination of a lot of life experiences. However, just life experience alone will never change someone's ideas. It will never be enough to give that someone the hope that they need. It will never be peace in the middle of the trials that we, that we experience here. In fact, most of the time, life experience can hurt us and discourage us, even as Christians. Peace, hope, and a resolve like Paul had only come from one thing, and that was his God experience. An encounter with Jesus Christ himself. You know, we sang that song this morning, Not for a moment was I forsaken. In the middle of my life experiences, Jesus, that encounter with Jesus has always been there. It will always be available to us. Paul overcame the world by the blood of Jesus. And he was able to share that same God experience and sharing with the world what God had done in his life. He knew from personal experience that his God experience was enough to change the world. We will never overcome worldly culture with Christian culture, but we will overcome it. If they can just experience the Jesus that you and I have experienced, if we could just give them the Jesus that we have met, that came face to face with us in our, in our life. I love how Jesus, I love how Jesus just reached down and he took a man named Saul and he said, I'm right here and I'm waiting for you. He gave them the experience that he needed. And Jason says it like this all the time. You cannot remain unchanged in the presence of a holy God. Come on, isn't that true? You can't remain unchanged in the presence of a holy God. I want you to think back for just a moment when... If you're in this room today and you've given your life to Christ, the moment that Jesus met you on the Damascus Road, 
The moment that Jesus called you by name and, and said, Saul, Saul, or, or, or Jason, Jason, or, or Corey, Corey, the moment that Jesus called you by name, I want you to think back to that moment for, for just a minute because that's the moment that your life was changed forever. It was transformed forever. And how often do we forget about that experience? But as we remember back, doesn't it just refresh your spirit? Doesn't it just refresh you to remember that Jesus can change my life? And if he could change my life, then he can change others. When Saul encountered Jesus on the Damascus Road, he was never the same afterwards. His name was not even the same after that experience as he ministered to the Greeks. He changed his name to Paul. And he said, listen, I'm not even the same person Anymore, A man who once persecuted Christians now proclaims the Jesus that he condemned. Why? How? It's an experience with Jesus. You could argue religion with Paul all day long. You can argue theology with Paul all day long. You could argue doctrine with Paul all day long, but it would never have changed his mind. When he encountered Jesus, it changed everything. What didn't make sense before, what was so irrelevant, what was so minute, and, and what, was, what was the point of, him, of his entire life, what he wanted to wipe off the planet Earth now became so clear and focused. One moment he was killing others for what they believed the next, he wanted to lay down his life for what they believed. Jesus can change everything. How does that happen? It's an experience. So now we're back to the question. How do we shift the thinking of our culture? How do we shift the values of our culture? How do we shift the way our culture speaks? How do we overcome those great barriers? We have to move them towards an experience with Jesus. Paul no longer worried about tearing down the way somebody else was thinking. He no longer worried about changing their value system. He, no, he, he knew that if he could give them an experience, that everything else would line up. You see, he stood on Mars Hill not upset that there was a temple to an unknown God, but he stood on Mars Hill and he proclaimed that Jesus was the one that they were looking for. World, today, Jesus is the one that you're looking for. Come on, don't get upset because they look different than you. Yeah. Don't get upset because they talk different right. than you or their values are different. Don't get upset because they don't understand. It's just that they haven't met Jesus yet. And if we can point them towards the Jesus that changed our life, then their thinking will change. Their values will change. Even the way they talk will change once they met Jesus because he's the counter to every culture. Paul said, if I could just be all things to all men. Well, isn't Jesus all things to all men? Don't the Gospels proclaim that? Let's go to the Gospels for just a minute. Matthew was written to the Jews, a culture that revolved around the high priest. Well, Jesus is the high priest. 
Mark was written to the Romans, a culture that said you have to serve and bow down to Caesar the king, but isn't Jesus the king of kings? Luke was written to the Greeks, the great thinkers, a culture built on philosophies of Aristotle and Plato, a culture that centered around the idea that somehow you could become the perfect man. But isn't Jesus the perfect man? John was written to the church who was looking for the ideal God, but Jesus is the ideal God. You see, that's the culmination of the book of Acts. The church started by reaching one culture, but went viral by reaching all cultures because the gospel is the counter to every culture. It's called an experience. You see, Paul later wrote this in Philippians 3, 8 through 11. Let's read that together. In verse 8 it says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. In verse 9 it says, And become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, through obeying my values. But rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see, Paul, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. And his experience with Jesus and his encounter with the Holy Spirit strengthened his thoughts. It strengthened his values. It formed his language and how he talked and he spoke and lived in his Christian faith. And I imagine that after his conversion that he was taught the words of Jesus that he had taught to his disciples in John 16, 33. Let's read that together. This is what Jesus said. I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Now Paul, he knew that. He knew that and it was a part of his, his God experience. He was able to see and to speak that with such conviction because he knew that in his trials, God was faithful to him. That's right. God had never left him. I remember when I was uh, back in high school here at Kingwood, our youth pastor then, Benny, used to take a group of us, a van load, we'd load up, Crystal, you'll remember this, and we'd head to Southside, Birmingham. We'd sit out by the fountain and we'd talk to people that would walk away and we would share our thoughts with them. We would share our values with them. We would try to, to talk their lingo. It was mostly homeless people and street kids that had run away. But you know, those things were important, but until they were able to come to a personal God encounter, they didn't receive any of that. They heard it. They called us Crispies because we thought everybody was going to hell. That was our nickname. But when we would invite them to pray, you know what, can we just pray with you? Because the Holy Spirit can do so much more than our words that we speak. Right. When we are partnered with the power of the Holy Spirit, 
He would come into that moment, and I remember praying with so many young kids at that fountain, and as we would pray, you would see the Holy Spirit begin to work on them, and tears would fall down their face. And that is when they met their God experience. God experience changes everything. Not our values, not our thoughts, not our language, but inviting people to experience, to taste and see that the Lord is good. That can change the world. You know, no matter how good or how bad my life experiences can get sometimes, my God experience is what's changed me. And it's helped me help others for the better. It taught me that God has never failed me. It taught me to share my God, of God's faithfulness to others. This morning, before we end the service, could you please just, just stand with us this morning? We want to take a minute and we want to pray with you today. This morning as the worship team comes back on in just a minute, we're not just going to go straight into altar call. Because the, the song that we sang this morning, the words of this song is so powerful. We want you to, to hear it just one more time and allow the Holy Spirit to meet you right where you are. So this morning, let's pray. And as the worship team's getting ready, we're going to worship for just a moment. And don't go anywhere, please, because we want to pray with you. Because I know that there are some people in here that are some facing some trials. You're facing some life experiences that have gotten you down. But this morning, I want you to remember, if you've once encountered a God time, to remember that today and allow yourself to let God come in and to let Him move in your life once more. Because not for a moment was I forsaken. Not for a moment were you forsaken. God has always been there. He will always be there for you this morning. Let's pray before they begin to sing. Father, this morning, we invite you into this place. God, we thank you for the God experiences that we've had. Today, I pray that you would remind someone of that God experience and that you would do it again in their life this morning. Father, if they have not had that God experience, if they are looking for something, they're empty and they found that their values, their thoughts, and the way that they talk is not getting them where they want to be. God, that they're just hitting a brick wall over and over and over again. Lord, I pray that this morning that they would surrender to you just like Paul did and say, God, I, I here I am, I hear you. Speak to me. Speak to me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. 
this right now and let the Lord just speak to you in this moment because I believe that all of us have things that we're going through right now. We all have life experience happening around us as we're trying to live this thing out and come on city after city that we go to we get a warning and we're going God are you for us or are you against us could you just let the spirit of God remind you today that God is for you that he's not against you that he's in this place and he wants to fill you full of his spirit today and just meet the promise just remind you that the promise is true come on not for a minute today because I know this I know that where two or three are gathered together that's where he's at and if one can put a thousand to flight then two can definitely put ten thousand to flight today so if you have a prayer need today if something's going on in your life and just it's just beyond you and and you don't have the strength you might be saying today the Lord is asking, can I do it? And you say, Lord, I don't know, but, but you know, God, if you can do it or not. And so today I would just give it over to you. So 
If that's you in this place this morning, as we go back into worship, would you just make your way forward? And I would invite you to come and find one of these prayer partners and just give what's going on over to the Lord and say, Father, I don't know if it can be done. Well, I need somebody to agree with me because, Lord, you do. You know if it can happen today. Maybe you're in this place as well, and you've never had an experience with God. Maybe it's very foreign to you, some of the things that we've been talking about today, and you need a God experience for the very first time. I would invite you to come today because it will change your life forever. It changes everything. It changes everything. Come on, all around this place, hands lifted high. And begin to let the Lord speak to you today. Father, we know that you can overcome anything and everything, Father. We know, God, that you're for us and not against you, Lord. And as those come today and fill these altars, Lord, I thank you that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to meet them right here. It's going to break what is holding them back, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you can do it today. By the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on. If you have a prayer need, would you just step out and come forward this morning?